Ion 2020 episode 297. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies, along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. What's up, y'all? Ray Eaton here, host of Ion2020. Thank you for joining me for another day looking at the 2020 election, looking at the 2020, uh, I guess the 2020 news. I haven't really been following the election to a T because there's really nothing to talk about with the election right now. You do have Joe Jorgensen making a pretty good splash right now. Like I've, I follow her Facebook page, and you do have a lot of people that get on there who are newly introduced to Joe, newly introduced to libertarianism newly introduced to what a libertarian is and what libertarians believe in what she believes in what her policies would be with regards to different things like they're asking these very curious questions and you could tell they come from like a republican or a democrat state of view uh, when they ask these questions you could tell that these people are asking them because they don't understand libertarianism they don't understand limited government they look to the government a lot of times for the answers to all these problems rather than looking to themselves or to freedom for a lot of these problems and these issues that we deal with in this world. So it's just interesting to see that, what's going on. If you want to follow it, I guess if you type in Joe Jorgensen on the Facebook page, or into Facebook, you'll find her Facebook page there. And it's, there's actually a group that you can join, and the, there's lots of really good discussions on there as well. And... This is not like the hardcore anarchist group or anything like that. It's actually a lot of people that are just newly introduced to libertarianism. So I'm not sure, like when I make, for me, when I make comments on them, I try to take, take be as uh, courteous as I can and also be somebody who will keep that door open to them and their curiosity rather than shutting, shutting them out. And I think a lot of people get turned off by a lot of libertarians because we tend to be, you know, looking at somebody as being too into government or too statist or too, I mean, you hear that all the time, you're just a statist. And it drives me crazy when people act like that. And not all libertarians act like that. Actually, there's probably a very, very few who act like that, but a lot of times they're the most vocal on Facebook groups. So that's the challenge that we run into, I guess. Uh, but yeah, it's a great Facebook group, so go ahead and join that one, and at least follow Joe, because she is making a splash, she is getting a lot of attention from people, especially in the Facebook world, and in the social media world, and that's a great thing, and I'll tell you guys a little bit about my story of how I became a libertarian, because that's something that I've, I, I really discuss on this on this podcast is how I became a libertarian, what made, what sparked me to move in a libertarian direction. And it was a long, a very long, long progressive uh, timeline of my libertarian movement. But first I wanted to let you guys know, so uh, about the whole Rayshard Brooks thing, that's the, the entire, uh, like on last show that I did on Monday, I was talking about Richard Brooks and the killing 
And, you know, I just, in my mind, I realized that at first I was thinking to myself, yeah, those cops were completely in the right in doing what they were doing. And then I got to thinking about it even further, and I realized that I thought that the entire situation was screwed up from the very beginning, and it shouldn't have led to murder, or led to the death of Richard Brooks. And that was where I kind of left off in that statement. But now that I'm thinking about it even further, it should have never gotten to that point, but the officers were following a standard protocol for doing a DUI making a DUI arrest and that's what needs to change is not like the officers I I feel like it's kind of injustice that they would be charged on this thing because they were following specific protocols that are laid out in what a cop is supposed to do now maybe not get to the point where you shoot somebody who's running away from you and fires a fires a phaser or a taser sorry not phaser a taser at you that might be a little bit going extreme but the only thing is is you don't know if that's a taser in the first place it could be anything you see a flash of light that makes a bang and you not you're not sure it's a high pressure situation it literally is like a two or three seconds between the time that he starts running to the other cop running after them to hearing the bang and then this shots are fired. And in my mind, it's a systemic problem that we're dealing with. It's not the officers. That's not an individual racist officer situation. It's a how cops interact with people. From the very beginning, it went wrong. But they started following a protocol, which is if somebody's drinking... If you could tell that they're drunk, if you could tell that they've been drinking, then you do a sobriety test, you have them do a breathalyzer, and if they have been drinking, and they were behind the wheel of a car, with the car running, like, their rule is to arrest that person. I've heard it before, like, they are not allowed to let somebody leave in that situation, they are not allowed to let that person just walk home or call a taxi or move on. Like, that's the protocol. And the protocol is wrong. Or maybe it's right in the world that we live in right now. Maybe that's a society that we want to live in, as a society that has over-policing in that way. Rather than being a helpful person, hey, you passed out, you know what, let's go ahead and get you home. They say, let's arrest this guy. And that's the protocol. That's what they have to do. So I don't know how I would respond in a situation, especially if I was a police officer, if somebody wrestled me down to the ground, started punching at us, start, and was able to take on two of us, by the way, start punching at us, start running away after grabbing a, the taser and then firing it. Like, you don't know how you would react in the... 15 to 20 seconds or 30 seconds or however long the scuffle went on for you have no idea how you would react neither do I but it shouldn't have been in that position in the first place and that's the that's the biggest problem is that we need to as a society decide hey are we going to have rules on the books that say that if somebody's behind the wheel of a car and they blow Point eight or point zero eight or more, then we're going to arrest this person. 
and we're going to take him down and we're going to book him no matter what. Because they're go- they're, 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 the, the rule is to pursue. So let's say this guy did not fire back with that taser. I bet you that they wouldn't have shot him. But they would have pursued him. He would have kept on running. Eventually they would have caught him and threw him down and put him in handcuffs. Let's say he kept on running and he was able to get away. They call in. They get the cops circling. They get the, they'd ultimately get a helicopter out there if they have to. Like they will keep on moving forward until that guy's arrested. That's the normal state of affairs in that situation. So the problem is not the officers. The problem is the system, the society, what society's expectations are and what the laws are and what the textbook rules are that they're going to follow in order to get to a certain step and to a certain point and continue to escalate until that person is handcuffed and in the car, booked with fingerprints and in jail. So that's the... To me, I feel like when I was when I was when I'm watching it, I feel like the cops are doing what they were trained to do and what they're told to do and what they're what they're expected to do. Now that's not an excuse for doing something that's wrong. But that's the society we live in is that we're trained to follow orders. And maybe we need to rethink that too. Maybe we need to rethink the way that we train people in society. You're trained in an educational system that when the bell goes off, you stand up, you get to the next class. When the bell goes off, you sit down and you pay attention. You follow a hierarchy hierarchy of demands. You follow a hierarchy within your school, within your house, within society. You do what you're told. You follow the rules. You don't question authority. And that's what these tra- that's what these officers are trained to do. Follow authority. Do what you're told. Follow your training. If you get if you find somebody that's being in a DUI, you don't let them go. If you pull someone over for speeding, there is a certain threshold that you're allowed to not give them a ticket, but just give them a warning. But at some point you give give them that ticket. But they, they beg and plead with you. I can't afford it. Sorry, I have to. That's the rules. A judge has somebody standing in front of them. They've, they've fired off a pistol during a crime. And it's a gun charge. They're guaranteed a three or four or five year minimum mandatory sentence. That's the society. That's what society or our law givers have chosen. Three strikes, you're out. You get two, You get three felony charges, even if they're just minor felony charges that third one you're 25 to life that's the society we live in so those are the things that need to change the only thing that I the only thing that that challenges me on this and coming from a libertarian standpoint I think that there should be more privatization of the police force and less laws and less things that are going on where that you can get arrested for you know eliminate the drug war so that you don't have the need for as many cops you don't have as much crime because there's not the black markets that are going on like I agree with all these things but in the system that we're living in now if 
every police officer feels like they're always being watched. They're going to be second guessed from a Monday morning quarterback on every single issue. Then they have a very hard time working in their and making themselves feel safe to get out there and do what they're supposed to do. So are they going to pull over that person who is doing a high speed chase or whatever? You know, are, are they going to be more apprehensive to go to that robbery? and try to apprehend a suspect? Are they going to be less likely to go to your house if you call them because your house is being robbed? If they feel like if they shoot that person and it's on video, if every time they're going to do something, they go to jail, or they're going to be Monday morning quarterbacked or whatever, like, all, I mean, are they going to feel like they're going to be able to do their job? I don't know. But then again, on the other side of it, they'll be more cautious in what they do if they always feel like they're being watched and so forth. So it could be a good thing that these guys are being disciplined, but they will be simply those cops that got arrested yesterday will be like a, uh, what would you call it? Like they would be, they would be the ones that are getting arrested to make a show of it. So that everyone else will see. See, this is what happens if you take it too far. You know what? If that suspect starts running, just let him go. If he fires back towards you, jump out of the way and let him go. Like, you don't know how that, what what was in that officer's mind at that point. So that, that in defense of the officer's. I just feel like they were probably making a rational decision in their mind at the time, which, because they were, they're you're trained, if somebody's going to use force or deadly force against you, and in their mind, they weren't sure if that was deadly force or not, you're not making that, you're not sitting there calculating every single thing, you need to make a split second decision that needs to be made now, or you might be dead, so what do you do? That's what they're thinking, I'm sure. So I can empathize on both sides of this argument. But it's not the officers and it's not the African-American gentleman that's dead. That was the problem. Oh, just do what you're told and shut up. Like you can tell the that you could tell Mr. Brooks to do that. Just do what you're do if he wasn't resisting arrest, he would have been fine. Like you could think that as well. But you're already in a system in a place where you know, there's a distrust for the police officers as it is. So I empathize on both sides, but it's not either side's fault. The fault is in the system, in the perception of authority, in the authority that we give police officers to go beyond. Like, he, this was a nonviolent act. It was a nonviolent crime in the sense that the only reason why DUI is a crime is because people have decided that if you have a .08 alcohol level or more, which is like two beers, guys, maybe three beers, and this guy had .1, so he probably had three or four beers total. He wasn't drunk. He wasn't, like, staggering around or slurring his speech when he was talking. But that's the system 
the system that's in place that put these cops into a situation where they are forced to arrest the guy and then they're forced to continue to push to arrest him after he, you know, tries to get away, resists arrest, and then you push forward and forward until this happens. Tragic event. But that's what we need to do. We need to rework society. So that's all I got on that, okay? Um, Joe Jorgensen, I mean, I think that she's great. I think that she's going to be a good person for the libertarian movement to have as our candidate. Spike Owens, same thing. Or Spike Cohen, I think is his name. Same thing. If you listen to his, if you listen to any of the interviews that he does, he's very well read. He understands libertarianism. He's a little bit further towards the, you know, anarchist side of the libertarian spectrum than Joe is, I think, but I think he understands liberty and he wants to push liberty forward rather than just, you know, tell people that they're statists and move on, you know? And that's an excellent thing. Um, I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about how I became a libertarian really fast and then, you know, then I'll end the show, because I don't know if you want to hear about my personal stuff too much, uh, but anyway, so, back in 1999, I was in, uh, a college, and I went to a small community college for the first two years of my college career, and I wasn't exactly the greatest high school student by any means, uh, but at some point I realized, you know, a little bit after high, after graduating that I needed to go to college and I wanted to go to college. And I went in there and I got into some honors programs and stuff because I scored really high on these college placement tests, which was great. And I ended up in a couple of classes. The first one was an honors economics class. Another one was a, uh, it was just a macroeconomics class. Another one was like a multi or interdisciplinary studies course, which had a couple different professors that taught it and it was just an interesting class class but it started teaching you a little bit about you know your normal um it was interdisciplinary but the main focus was on like humanities and stuff so there was a couple of different classes oh and then I took a philosophy class and those three classes kind of started getting me to form my opinion about government and what government should do and stuff and then with the economics course the professor Dr. Chambliss, I think was his name, or Professor Chambliss, I don't think he was a doctor, I think he was just like a master's degree in economics, he might have his PhD by now, who knows, he was a fairly young guy, and he was a libertarian, he was a uh, free market guy, he was one of those people that followed like the Chicago School of Economics, he was no Austrian school, you know, by he wasn't of the Austrian school by any means, but he wrote his own textbook, and he taught us about you know, standard supply and demand curves and stuff like that, but he also taught from a free market standpoint. The more government gets involved in things, the, you know, for example, government getting involved in things kind of sways the way that the supply and demand curve will work and so forth, and it just pushed me in a direction towards libertarianism and understanding that less government is better. That's where I started to think of myself as a libertarian, but I wasn't really politically active at that point, and then I started taking a, the philosophy course, and we went through the whole subjective, like, the, the idea was basically, what is the good, right? What is the good? What is good? 
how do you determine what is good? And some people, it's a very subjective thing. Other people are objectivists. Other people are um, Keynesians and so forth, right? And you have different forms of philosophy. I don't remember exactly what they all were. But then we got to the egoism, and that was the whole Ayn Rand thing. And you start learning about um, the Fountainhead, the books that she wrote, and Atlas Shrugged and so forth, and I ended up reading those. And I decided that I was an egoist. I was one of those people that believes that people do things because it benefits them. The virtue of selfishness and things like that. And I don't really fully embrace that now, but I do understand the idea that most people do things because it benefits them. Whether it's completely rational or not, in their mind they've rationalized that it benefits them. And if you fully get to a rational state, then you will realize that... Um, even though stealing might benefit you in the immediate run, it'll put you in jail, so in the end it'll put you in a position where you're not really, uh, it's not really the, to, the, to your benefit. But anyway, a fully rational. So I started understanding all that, those ideas as well, but I kind of pr- started melding all this stuff together and realized that I was a libertarian, but I wasn't really like a voting libertarian or anything like that. I still, I think I supported George Bush in 2000, and that was in the midst of all this stuff. Uh, and then 9-11 happens, 2001. And uh, I was kind of like, holy crap, what happened? We need to go after these terrorists, these bad guys and all that. And I believed all the propaganda of the federal government about going to war in Afghanistan because we were all on board with that one, guys. And then when Iran or Iraq came along, I was fully on board with that stuff as well. But I wasn't like politically active at that time. But I was still libertarian-leaning. I said, you know what, we need limited government. That was on a... I didn't really put to one and one together and realize that the federal government needs to be limited not only in domestic life, but also in foreign life. I never put that stuff together. And I still defended the idea of having soldiers overseas because we needed them there so we didn't have to fight them here all those lies, all those things that they started talking about. And I think it was 2008 with the whole Ron Paul thing. In 2008 when he was running and he had this whole little spat with Rudy Giuliani. I still wasn't convinced then. Like I kind of looked at Ron Paul and said, I wasn't on the Ron Paul train at that time. I was for the most limited government Republican I could find. But not Ron Paul, because I thought, you know what? I still defended the idea that we should have soldiers overseas. I was still in that Republican versus Democrat mindset at that time. I still thought, we need limited government. We need to have... Like, I was fully on board libertarianism from the economic standpoint domestically. But I didn't realize the danger of it internationally. I didn't realize the danger of it and the fact that our country, will, our federal government wants to spy on us and on the social issues. But on the economic issues, I was great. So I was like a libertarian-leaning Republican. But it was like around 2012 or so, I started looking into the Ron Paul campaign of 2012. And I think I watched a little what was it, like a movie that was about the Ron Paul 2008 campaign and the revolution, and that's when I really got on board with Ron Paul. That's when I realized that, you know what, this guy's right. 
We don't need to have foreign intervention all over the place. We're going to be bankrupting this country if we continue down this path. But not only that, it's immoral to be over there policing other countries and telling other countries how to live. Why would they want us there? We wouldn't want anyone like that here. We don't if 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 Russia had people and soldiers in our cities, we would do everything we possibly can to get them out. You would have militias in America doing everything they can to get them out. That's the way it would be. So I started realizing that. I started taking that thing to, that stuff to heart. And I decided, you know, 2012ish that I was going to be that I was anti-war, that I was against foreign intervention. I was against an all-encompassing state overseas. Why should we have a state that is completely, you know, like we, we, we talk about having free markets here in America. We talk about no central planning here in America as libertarians. Why would it be okay to centrally plan Afghanistan then? Why is it okay to centrally plan Iraq or Syria or Libya or any of these other places where we have all these all these wars going on you're destroying the economy of these countries and you're expecting these people to be happy that you're there because you say that you're there to spring freedom freedom is not under the barrel of a gun and I realized that stuff around that time that's when I started questioning things and I started getting interested er, it, about a year or two later I started realizing that pot like I started understanding libertarianism from listening to a lot of the podcasts and stuff and I really got on board with it you know 2013 2014 where I just realized that man this is a world where the government is the enemy of the people it's the people that are the ones that need to be protected from the government and there maybe are some good people like Thomas Massey that are really there trying to limit government that have principles and follow those principles. You got the Rand Pauls that are there following principles. And yeah, they might bend every so often, but they're there following principles. But overall, everything that they do is just there to destroy your freedom and take more of it away and take more of your money and have more control over society and the economy and that's how I became to where I am today as a libertarian you just it opens your eyes to see it but a libertarian just if you're a new libertarian if you're somebody that came to libertarianism just because of Joe Jorgensen or something like that learn about it under like try to find out question your preconceived notions that you have question everything everything is foreign intervention okay why would you think that why do you think that question it do we need to have troops all over the world is that in our best interest as a country does it create more enemies then it creates friends. How would you feel if they were doing the same thing to you? Think about it like the golden rule. That's what Ron Paul always does. If they were doing it to you, would you be upset? Absolutely. 
question those things. Question why should government be the answer to all of our problems? Do we really need some person up there beating a drum, keeping everybody in line and telling people what to do and using a bullhorn, as Tom Woods talks about, the bullhorn to bark out orders and tell you what to do? No, society will organize voluntarily a lot of times. Society will be okay without the person at the bullhorn saying what to do, trying to be a central planner. You don't need central planners. They get it wrong. Just think about that. What if they what if the central planner gets it wrong, but it's already been done to the entire country? But when you have free markets, when you have individuals making decisions, we pick up on the good and we toss away the bad. But government never tosses away the bad. So I became convinced on limited government. Limiting it to the, to the furthest extent that you possibly can while people will still fight for more government we should be fighting for less government in every case so I don't take the stance of an anarchist and the only reason why I say that is because we'll never be at that point guys yeah ideally it would be great it would be wonderful if we lived in a society free of government altogether because the government means the state and the state means force if you had the state that only did one thing and that would say hey we're gonna take taxes so we could pay ourselves a salary but we're not gonna do anything else we're just gonna you're using force at that point everything the government does is force it's done through a law it's done through telling you that you can't do something or telling you that you have to give something up in order to let them do something else and we organize rules in society to make sure that we could live in a live better, I guess. So there are rules that we should follow. There's organizations that we should follow and things like that. But I don't take that stance of being an anarchist. And the only reason why I say this is because we won't be there. We're not going to get to that point right now by making that argument. So I refuse to make that argument ever. I think that there's plenty of people that can make the statement and make the case that you can live in a stateless society per se but that's not convincing people in my mind convincing people is convincing people to limit government that a limited government is beneficial and limit the state on certain things and break down those borders and break down those boundaries and get people to move towards a more limited government philosophy we change people's minds towards that. You can get lots of people on board with that. You can get the Democrats on board with that. Especially right now. Limit the state by limiting the amount of laws that police are enforcing. Holy cow, what a bridge, right? Limit the state by getting rid of the drug war. Wow, what a concept. What an idea, right? But we can get people on board with that. Especially Democrats. Republicans limit the state by limiting the amount of capital they're allowed to steal from the economy through taxes. Republicans would be on board with that, right? Build those bridges. That's the type of a libertarian that I am, is one that wants to bring, bring those issues to the forefront that we could all agree on and break those down. And then let's talk about the next things we break down. Let's talk about the next rules and laws in places where the state can be limited 
that's what we should be doing. So anyway, that's all I got. That's that's it, man. That's that's where I am today as a libertarian. So I hope that was enjoyable for you. Uh, anyway, I appreciate all those that continue to come out here and listen to the show uh, Mondays and Thursdays. The 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 number of people that are coming back all the time are growing, and that's great. I appreciate you. If you're a first time listener, thanks for coming and listen to this show. Go and subscribe to the show so you can hear it again on Monday. I'm sorry I got this show out late today on Thursday. I had a lot going on uh, this morning, and usually I'll record the show either in the evening, the night before, or first thing in the morning. Uh, so, But here it is now. Uh, five-star ratings and reviews are helpful on iTunes, so go ahead and do that for me. Five-star ratings are great, but reviews are even better. And then... Uh, I on the Empire is my Facebook page and Twitter handle, and also I on the Empire.com if you want to check it out there, okay? But go ahead and come on back on Monday, and you'll have clear vision for 2020.